0: I guess we should probably talk a little sports here in episode number 348 of Unscripted here with uh, Mike and Chris. So I guess that's what we'll do. Uh, as again, we welcome you to this 348th episode of our little program. Um, got a little off topic in episode 347. And as I said to Chris, it was one of the best episodes I've ever done and and enjoyed. And, and uh, we can do that. And that's the joy of Unscripted. But there is a lot of things to talk about here on this monday and um, obviously we got to start with the nba playoffs i assume um the lakers are making a lot of noise today and we'll get into that in a minute as well but we got to start from on sunday night game number three of the nba's eastern conference finals uh, scene switch to toronto and uh you know, this was as close to a must-win as you could ever imagine for the Toronto Raptors after having dropped the first two of the best of seven in Milwaukee. They come north of the border, and um, Toronto isn't out of the woods yet, folks. Um, look at it this way if you're a Bucks fan and you're worried about things. Don't, because first and foremost, um, to me, and I'd be interested to hear what Chris is going to have to say about this, and this is not this is not a shot at the Toronto Raptors organization. Uh, but really, look at what Kawhi Leonard has done and what he has had to do. I don't know if there is more... Uh, if there, I'd like to see, maybe i got to restate it this way, I would like to see a team that is more dependent on one player that is still existing in the NBA playoffs right now than the Toronto Raptors are on Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard has had to do pretty much everything so far he scored uh, over 30 points last night for the 10th time already in these playoffs alone for the Raptors. Um the guy played 52 minutes on uh, Sunday night and yes, Toronto saved themselves a couple extra days. They win game 3 114 to 110 in two overtimes, but here's the thing that's got to be comforting to Bucks fans like myself. The Raptors hold Giannis Ante Tucumbo to only 12 points, and the Bucks only lose by four. That tells me two things. The Bucs are loaded with a very deep and talented roster. And B, Toronto had to win this game, folks, because who in the hell wants to face 3-0 in a best of seven? So congratulations to the Raptors. Uh unbelievable performance again by Kawhi Leonard. Uh, 50, again, 52 minutes he played, went over 30 points again, but he's still not getting any help. And again, for me and for Bucks fans, you only lost by four in a game that Toronto desperately needed to win. You held your best player, probably the league MVP, to 12 points, and you only lost by four. I still think things are looking real good for the Milwaukee Bucks, and I believe in my heart of hearts that this thing will be over by Thursday next week in Milwaukee. Milwaukee wins... Game four, uh, Tuesday night in Toronto, S- scene shifts back to game five Thursday in Milwaukee. And if the Bucks let it get out of the state of Wisconsin, they're a fool. Yeah, there was a video
1: going around today a lot, which showed where Drake is waving goodbye to the Milwaukee Bucks, but it really looks like he's holding up five fingers. And of course, everyone's just saying, <laughs> here's how many games it's going to take Milwaukee to close this out, you know. And I think that's pretty accurate, probably. It's interesting that they've needed Kawhi Leonard to be so good because the real strength, and I thought what was really interesting about the Toronto Raptors both before and after Kawhi Leonard came to town was that they've been such a deep team. They've been such a great bench team. They've just been unbelievable with their... There's just a deep, deep bench. I mean, that team goes so deep. And now they're not having that. I mean, if you had Kawhi Leonard playing at this level along with that insanely deep bench we've had in years past
0: recently, man, you
1: would think that right there they'd be almost
0: unbeatable. Well, think about it this way. Um, Toronto is playing without OG and Unobi, third or fourth year guy out of Indiana. Um, he has been injured the whole playoffs. He got hurt right before the end of the regular season. He has not been able to make it back. Marcus Gasol has looked very old. He really has. He's looked old and pedestrian out there. Hasn't been able to find a jump shot. Danny Green, who has hit a lot of big shots over the years in the playoffs as a member of the San Antonio Spurs, to me, right now, looks scared to take a shot. He's in a slump. We know that. But the only way to get in out of a slump is to shoot your way out of a slump. And Danny Green is a good enough shooter. But he's not contributing. Kyle, uh, Kyle Lowry had 30 in Game 1, a game that Toronto should have won. And I'm being honest here, folks. Toronto outplayed Milwaukee for three quarters of that game, but then in the fourth quarter, Milwaukee's depth took over, outscored them 37-12 to in the fourth quarter, and stole game one. Milwaukee was dominant in game two, but I am of the belief that Milwaukee still has yet to play up to their full-team potential. And when that happens, Toronto better watch out. And if they find that full-team potential when they play potentially, and it looks like, obviously, it's going to be the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals starting May the 30th, if Milwaukee comes with their A game. And again, right now, look at it this way, folks. Portland is a little bit beat up. Damian Lillard, who's their, obviously their best player, is playing with a cracked rib. Um, their starting center has been gone since February. Their backup, Enos Kanter, is playing with a separated left shoulder. They're down to their third and fourth center right now. Miles Leonard who played years ago, I believe it was at Illinois, and some guy Collins that they picked up in the draft last year from Gonzaga. These are guys that shouldn't even be on the floor against the Golden State Warriors. And you can see why uh, the Portland season is going to be over later tonight in Portland when the Golden State Warriors, I believe, complete the four-game sweep. But when Golden State and Milwaukee play on May the 30th, and if Milwaukee brings their A game, and the Golden State Warriors potentially could be without... Boogie Cousins, obviously a huge loss if they don't have Kevin Durant. And now Andre Iguodala got hurt the other day with a calf issue as well. MRI came back clean. But if Golden State goes into the Milwaukee series, and Milwaukee will have home court advantage. Milwaukee or Toronto would have home court advantage against the Golden State Warriors because of the regular season records of the three clubs. But if Golden State has to go to Milwaukee for games one and two without Boogie Cousins, but more importantly, obviously without Kevin Durant and Andre Iguodala, um, Milwaukee is going to be a hell of a test for the Golden State Warriors. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. Obviously, there's still work to be done to eliminate the Toronto Raptors on the Milwaukee side. Golden State has to go through the, you know, has to go through the motions as they eliminate the Portland Trailblazers, but. Um, the West this year, and I, this is where I'm interested to hear what Chris is going to have to say here, but the last couple of years on Unscripted, we've talked about the superiority, let's say, between of the Western Conference over the Eastern Conference in the NBA. But let me tell you something, folks. Of the four teams that are still standing, now obviously if you're going to pose this question This question is posed on the basis as if Kevin Durant comes back to uh, the Golden State Warriors, when it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But let's just say Clay Thompson comes back. uh, Draymond Green still has one year until he becomes a free agent. KD can be a free agent at the end of this season. If you bring all the boys on the bus back to the Golden State Warriors, they are the team you're going to pick, obviously. But moving forward, if Durant goes to New York, let's say, and that's what we keep hearing, and Clay Thompson might be going to the Los Angeles Lakers if he doesn't get a max offer from the Golden State Warriors. If you can't keep all the guys on the Golden State roster, is there a team potentially more uh, talented in the NBA right now than the Milwaukee Bucks? And I'd argue that with anybody. If you eliminate KD, he goes to New York, Clay Thompson goes to LA, and you break up the Golden State Warriors... Yes, you still have Steph Curry. Yes, you've still got Draymond Green for one more year. But obviously, without those two components, is there a team or is there a roster that looks better right now than Milwaukee's?
1: No, there's no way to come up with that, especially top to bottom. I mean, I would have thought at one point, the Raptors, maybe if you have that amazing bench and you have Kawhi Leonard and you have kyle lowry scoring 30 points i mean if you have all that then maybe that but doesn't look like we're having that anymore boy uh philly has potential they've got a, a good core there uh there's teams where i mean they just disproportionately rely on one guy like russell westbrook in okc or of course james harden in houston uh but as a top to bottom just rock solid roster I don't know. I mean, there's teams you could see changing. Like if you see Zion Williamson go to New Orleans and then you see Anthony Davis stay there and then all of a sudden it's more attractive to people and then they could... There are teams like that that could rapidly mm-hmm. get that. You're absolutely right. But in terms of how... But that's easier said than done. And if you say for right now, other than the Golden State Warriors, no, there's, there's no way. And I think that these next few games in the Eastern Conference Finals are going to bear this out. I think everybody's expecting that game, that... Uh, think to be over in five just like the last series was against the celtics didn't matter if there was game one that you give up it's still over in five and man i no, know I, I i and i'm not the biggest basketball expert but i can't see how you can make the case to for anyone other than the bucks
0: no and uh you know you mentioned philly and obviously they've got the best starting five in the east but are they going to be able to keep tobias harris and jimmy butler i don't think they're going to be able to do that I really don't. How do you how do you pay those two and then pay Joel Embiid in a couple of years and Ben Simmons in a couple of years? I mean, they put all their eggs in a basket for a one great run and they came up a couple series short in Philadelphia. Uh, I know Milwaukee has some free agents that they would have to address in the offseason, but what Milwaukee's looking for, I would think, first and foremost, is the summer of 2020 when one Giannis Antetokounmpo can become an unrestricted free agent. So Milwaukee will be looking very hard at that, as they technically on paper have only one more year left of Giannis. If Milwaukee lets Giannis leave, then Milwaukee goes back to where they've been, you know, and they'll be in mediocrity forever and ever, amen, but... For some reason, obviously I'm hopeful, but for some reason Giannis seems to be a little bit different. He doesn't seem to, uh, you know, and, and again, part of this is wishful thinking, but will the Bucks be able to re-sign Giannis Antetokounmpo in a year and a half? Well, they better be. If they like being in the upper stratosphere of the NBA, that's for damn sure.
1: I I would just quickly, like yeah. to, I would like to predict that Giannis does re-sign a monster long-term deal with the Bucks. I don't think he'll go anywhere. Based on the character I've seen from yes. that young man, I don't think he goes anywhere. I think he's going to be loyal to the city of Milwaukee and to the Bucks organization. And I absolutely confidently predict that they will find a way on all sides to get that done. And he will be a Buck for a long, long time.
0: Well, I would think if your general manager, John Horde uh and ownership, I would imagine that your job <laughs> really let's let's be honest here, folks. Sports today is big business. Sports today is results driven. And if the Bucks don't get Giannis's name on the dotted line and a contract extension in a year and a half, I would assume that the Bucs would look to make a change in their front office because John Horst's full study, his full Everything his, his everything involved with him in regard to roster building has to be, and including in this roster building, has to include your number one priority, which is getting Giannis's name on another contract in Milwaukee. A team that, um, staying in the NBA, and obviously we'll do this, but then I want to get to the National Hockey League, the Stanley Cup playoffs, but this was the team that I loved forever and ever, and um, they have taken that proverbial black guy. They are looking like they're being run by the guys that run the Detroit Pistons these days. It's just a zoo. Um, it's not indicative of a, of a organization that has won 16 NBA championships. The Los Angeles Lakers look like they're being run like the Los Angeles Clippers in the days of Donald Sterling. That's what I'll say. It, that's how bad it has become in LA. No, it's worse. Maybe, maybe. It's worse. Maybe, yeah. Because the Clippers never had a history like the Los Angeles Lakers. And with 16 Nash or 16 NBA championships, you shouldn't have to be run like the Los Angeles Clippers under Donald Sterling. But Magic Johnson, who, to a lot of people's surprise, resigned as the president of basketball operations on the last day of the regular season, and he made an appearance on Monday on the First Take show with Stephen A. and Max Kellerman. And Magic Johnson basically explained his position, what was, what was his deciding factor in turning, in resigning his position as, again, the basketball, the president of basketball operations for the Los Angeles Lakers, a team that he led to five championships alone in the 80s. He says on Monday morning that general manager Rob Polinka backstabbed him, leading him to resign as the president of the Lakers on the end of the season. Originally, it started and we kind of thought this, both Chris and I, but it all started uh, when Magic Johnson wanted to fire head coach Luke Walton. At the beginning of the season, seven games in, Magic wanted to fire Luke, Wil- Luke Walton as the head coach of, of the Lakers. And as the president of basketball operations, you should have full autonomy to do so. He was told he couldn't uh, by some office guy. Wasn't Jeannie Buss, but some guy on the business. His name is Tim Harris. I have never heard of Tim Harris before. Tim Harris is on the business side. He punches and works the numbers. But all of a sudden, again, because of the dysfunction in the, in the front office of the Lakers, Jeannie Buss has no clue. And she allows a numbers man to get into this decision-making process. And that was kick at the can number one. Red flag number one when Magic Johnson was not allowed to fire Luke Walton. Um, there's also other a, a lot of things going on in Lakerland, but it all comes down to things that magic was not happy about that Rob Palinka was speaking behind his back and it was funny because when magic was on the show on Monday morning with Stephen A, I heard him say at point blank that um, magic did not like oh excuse me when magic took the job, excuse me let me get my facts straight when magic took the job as the president of the Lakers. Um, there were, and then they hired Polinka as the general manager. And remember, if you didn't know, Rob Polinka was a former sports agent before he got into being the general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers. Before that, he was one of the few token white guys on the great, fabulous five teams of Michigan back in the 90s with uh, Chris Weber and Jalen Rose and Ray Jackson and all those guys. Polinka was a sharp shooting white guy, never saw the floor much, but that's his basketball background. But when Magic took the job in Lakerland as the president, there were a bunch of agents that called Magic Johnson and said, watch out for this snake in the grass. Sure enough, Palenka turned out to be a bit of a snake in the grass and the Lakers are without a president of basketball operations. And before I get Chris in, I got to make this note and make mention of this note. Stephen A. asked Magic Johnson point blank, if the bus family continue to be such, uh, you know, just it's a joke with Jeannie Buss and her brother, Joey Buss. And, and it's just it's, we just long for the days of Dr. Jerry Buss to rise from the dead and come back and save the Lakers. But if the Buss family had said they'd had enough, they couldn't put up with the bullshit anymore. If the R- Buss family were to put the Lakers up for sale and Magic Johnson stopped him before he got the question out, he said, I'd be the first in line and next in line would be Kobe Bryant. That says a lot to me.
1: Yeah, that's a perfect segue here because I was going to preview Free Forum Friday a little bit here because I've got a tweet from Hoop Central at The Hoop Central. Missing Kobe a little extra today and then there's a highlight video of Kobe Bryant. And I think that's exactly where this is going to go unless the bus family is just completely stubborn and it would have to just be for some sort of status. But of course, it's a rapidly diminishing status with the... Ashes of what the Los Angeles Lakers franchise has become, I think I can absolutely 100% picture a day where we're going to see some sort of consortium owning the Los Angeles Lakers, led by Magic Johnson and Kobe Bryant, and who knows, maybe some other former Lakers as the faces of... Of the thing, but also there'd probably be some other big money backers in there and they'd they'd put together some sort of syndicate or something. And I think that's what we're going to see because the Lakers are a proud, storied organization. And when you've got stars like that, I think that they're going to uh, get together and try to restore that. Uh, If Kobe's a part of it, I don't think you're going to see Shaq a part of it.
0: (laughs) Well, Shaq owns a percentage. He owns a percentage of the Sacramento Kings.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and then there's that too, which, uh, you know, that just leads to... More fun there, but yeah, I think that's what we're going to see, unless they're just unbelievably stubborn. The Bus family and I could see them trying to hold on to it. Although you can easily get enough money to set your whole family for life if you sell the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, no problem there. So hopefully they don't resist and they don't just make this franchise a joke forever. Because it really, what's the six years out of the playoffs now? Suddenly that's yep. that just longest, can't happen.
0: Longest uh, string of ineptness in my lifetime. In regard to the Los Angeles Lakers, yeah, you
1: you just you can't have that. It's just you can't.
0: It, it, you know what, folks? It's like in, in baseball, and I know we don't like baseball here, but it's like the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox not being in the playoffs. In the National Hockey League, it's like the it's like an original six team not being in the Stanley Cup playoffs. In uh, in uh, football, it's like the New England Patriots not being in the playoffs. The Los Angeles Lakers, whether you love them or loathe them. They are one of the cornerstones of the NBA. And when they miss the playoffs six years in a row, something's wrong in Lakerland. And if it doesn't get rectified soon, there needs to be some changes as high up as you can go in the Laker hierarchy. And when you're hearing names that Jeannie Buss is confiding in, names like Linda and Kurt Rambus and Phil Jackson, we know how well he screwed up the New York Knicks. You know there's a problem in Lakerland. And I think. Chris is exactly right. Some consortium of former Laker players are going to get together and pool their resources with their connections, and hopefully sooner rather than later, we're going to see a new ownership group of the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, If you are just joining us, and I still think of my friend who told me I shouldn't do this, but you can go fuck yourself, um, we need to talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's been so much going on uh, in regard to the NBA, both on and off the court And let's be honest, Chris and I broadcast in Canada, and it's too bad that all seven Canadian teams are not involved in the playoffs. There were no Canadian teams after round one. Thank you, Calgary Flames and Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, Winnipeg Jets, you're in there as well. Um, But... The Western Conference Finals are going on as we speak. The East is already set. Obviously, the Boston Bruins are in the Stanley Cups Finals for the first time since they won it all in 2011. Congratulations to everybody involved, Coach Cassidy and everybody involved with the Boston Bruins. Um, it'll be interesting to see. You talk about rust. How many games is it going to be between games played for the Boston Bruins when they lace them up in game one of the Stanley Cup Finals? But not only in the West, not only were the San Jose Sharks handled five to nothing in Game Five of the Western Conference Finals with the St. Louis Blues, but the Sharks during the game lost the services of all-world defenseman Eric Carlson, also Joe Pavelski, and Thomas Hurdle during the game with injuries. No word on if these guys are even going to be available for Game Six Tuesday night in St. Louis. And as I bring in Chris, Chris, I gotta believe that if they don't have these three guys. Uh and especially right now, Pavelski and Hurdle have been fabulous. I know that Eric Carlson is battling with a groin injury that seems to have been bothering him the last couple of months. It it cost him some games at the end of the regular season. He finally did get some game action the last regular season game of the year, but obviously a groin is something that you can tweak just like that. And obviously when you depend on your legs like hockey players do and you don't have a groin, um it can be very difficult to skate up on that little ice, on those little ice blades. Um, An ineffective Eric Carlson can spell danger for any moving forward success of the San Jose Sharks. But if they don't have Pavelski, Hurdle, or Carlson, I don't like their chances to even the series Tuesday night in St. Louis. No,
1: and it's really interesting how St. Louis has actually found a way to reverse the momentum in this Mm -hmm. series because the whole thing we saw with that ridiculous Vegas penalty was the momentum completely shifted to an extreme degree and sometimes momentum is hard to stop and Bernie Nichols talked about that on the show last week about how when you get momentum going sometimes there's just nothing you can do and I felt like after the uh, San Jose Sharks got that uh, hand pass goal. It just felt like, oh, it's just going to keep going their way. And no, now St. Louis then ties up the series and now kicks the shit out of them 5 nothing. And all of a sudden, St. Louis is looking good going home with a 3-2 lead and two games in a row, one including the last one being a shutout. And so I, I agree with you that those names are all important. And If you lose all three, then you don't really have a chance. But even if they all play, it's yeah. starting to feel like Uh, the momentum has shifted back the other way, and that is a really hard thing to reverse. We really have to start looking at Craig Berube as coach of the year here. I mean, and I know you're not supposed to really factor in the playoffs, but... Man, what he's done to go from—they just looked like it was a lost season a few a few a few games in—and now all of a sudden they're able to reverse momentum from a team getting all the calls. By the way, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, well, someone on Twitter said it best when they said, uh, "Look at this—if you wonder if irony is dead." So the Sharks for their last home game there, they have—they usually have a thing where I think their mascot bangs the drum yeah. and they go, "Let's go, Sharks!" Right, right, right. So they changed that to, "Ref, you suck." <laughs> If, if if you know the next time anyone seems to not show gratitude i'm gonna think of this yeah. like we need to send everyone from the hp pavilion to a hot yoga class and go <laughs> namaste and learn gratitude and all that stuff because that's unbelievable you guys have gotten enough calls for a lifetime actually it was funny before st louis managed to reverse this momentum i saw another Tweet on Twitter where somebody said, Hey, the San Jose Sharks are only six calls away from the uh, Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so yes. I was, you know, like, it was just like, I, didn't, I mean, if if this wasn't San Jose, if this was like the New York Rangers or something, there would be conspiracies all over the place. If this was some big market team that was getting all the calls, but mm-hmm. it's the San Jose Sharks, so you wonder. And it's too bad because I would like to be happy for the Sharks. I don't like when teams have never won a championship, unless it's a team I just can't stand. But, you know, Sharks, okay, uh, they would be nice to see them get a cup, especially a team or a city that doesn't have any other big four teams. You know, it's nice when they win a cup. Uh, I'll be cheering for St. Louis if they make it because... Uh, they've never won a cup before. They haven't even been in the finals in about 50 years. And, you know, they'd lost the Rams a few years ago. So it'd be nice. Your hockey team's never won anything. You lost your NFL team. Yeah, give the fans of St. Louis, you know, the ones that haven't been murdered yet. Give them something (laughs) to really cheer about and be happy about in their lives. And go Blues.
0: Yeah, St. Louis, um, they lost their football team. They lost their basketball team years ago. The Atlanta Hawks were originally the St. Louis Hawks. What year was that? Oh, it's been 100 years. Yeah, it was a hundred years. long time. Bob Pettit played in the fifties and early sixties, um, so yeah. I mean, they've seen their their uh, they've seen their share of losing. That's for damn sure in the in the gateway to the West. But, but the but what an unbelievably rock
1: solid, well run baseball franchise. Though.
0: Absolutely, but even for them, they've they've hit a bit of a you know. St. Louis is like the Yankees in regard to baseball; they're expected to compete for championships every year. And uh, the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team has been going through a couple of tough years. But uh, I, you know what? I have a, I have to pose a question to you though in mm-hmm. regard to what you just said, and and it, it triggered something in my mind. I think that they need to revisit when they vote for the awards in all professional sports. I think you have to include the postseason. I don't think you can do it just on the regular season. I really don't. I think you have to reward the guys as part of, you know, potentially winning an MVP or coach of the year, uh, whatever it may be. I think you've got to include their whole season, their whole body of work, not just the 82 games during the regular season, because you bring up an unbelievable guy Craig Berube will not win the Jack Adams in the NHL because that is based on, same as in the NBA, it's based on the regular season. Now, obviously, Berube is going to get some consideration considering where he started and where this team ended the regular season. They were at, in the early stages of this regular season in the National Hockey League, St. Louis was at the bottom, folks. They were below the Arizona Coyotes. They were below a lot of other teams. And all of a sudden, they make the coaching change. Mike Yao out, bring in Berube, and look at him. They're one win away from the Stanley Cup, jam- or Stanley Cup Finals, excuse me, not the championship yet, but one win away from earning a ticket to play for Lord Stanley's Cup. Shouldn't that garner... I mean, you're going to hear the names, obviously, for the Coach of the Year. You're going to hear... Uh, John Cooper, you're going to hear Bill Peters, who both of those guys got kicked out in the first round. I think you're going to hear some names, you know, some other names bantied about. I mean, probably a few people are going to vote for John Tortorello, maybe just because they love to watch him in press conferences. I don't know. But I think the National Hockey League, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the National Football League have got to include when they have these end-of-the-season award shows and presentations – They've got to include not just the regular season. I think they've got to open up their minds and include their performances in the postseason as well.
1: I don't know what you think. Well, I don't know. Like, it's just... Uh, I don't know what to say anymore about this stuff. It's
0: just... I mean, like, who's done a better job, really, than Barube right now?
1: It's, it's tough because I appreciate what you're saying, but at the same time, I mean... I think that picking awards often is lazy enough by the people yes. in power who do it. Great. And now if you just, if you make it so it includes the entire postseason, they're not even going to look at anybody outside the final. I know. And there's, and the thing is so much of coaching is, you know, the, the best coach shouldn't just be the team that does the best. Because then, I mean, if it's basketball or the Golden State Warriors, do they have the best coach every year? Honestly, like, I mean, not great point. you know, it's so, I, I appreciate why they do that. Uh, it's almost like they need a co- best coach of the playoffs, but then that's usually just going to be, the yeah, who wins. Right. You know, it should really be who got the most out of their team. And because of that, though, even if you don't count the postseason, maybe, why doesn't Craig Berube deserve it? He came, yeah. I mean, that should be the number one sign that a guy deserves coach of the year. As he comes in, the team sucks. The other guy was coaching terribly. And the season looks like a write-off a few games in. Yeah. You come in and you're taking them you know, to, to all the way practically, or maybe all the way.
0: But look at some of the coaches out there. I mean, we've, we've talked many times on this program about Barry Trotz Trotz. and the job that he did this year with a team that lost their best player in Tavares goes to Toronto. And all of a sudden, not only did they make it to the playoffs, they swept the Pittsburgh Penguins in round one. Ultimately, yes, they got swept, By Carolina in round two, but there's also you'd have to put some consideration for Rod Brindamore in Carolina because you take those bunch of Hunyaks and look what they did. I mean, you know, they were more famous for their post game party than they were for their on ice performance most of the season. And, you know, obviously, again, they got swept, but I mean, for that bunch of guys, you trade, you make the big trade they made with Calgary. And who thought, I mean, Calgary couldn't get rid of Dougie Hamilton fast enough. And Dougie Hamilton goes down to Carolina and figures out how to play defense again and was a main contributor for a team that made it to the, you know, to the Eastern Conference Finals of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, I mean, yes, you're you're very right. I mean, they're usually going to pick the team that ultimately wins. But is there a coach that has gotten more out of his team this year than Craig Barube in St. Louis and I would beg to differ with anybody that the answer is no
1: yeah I mean you could make the case Bill Peters I mean notwithstanding right, a terrible right, playoff it. showing right but he got a lot of excited I don't think Calgary was as good as their regular season record showed so I think he got a lot out of them but they had coach of the year just a couple years ago and that didn't in, mean the next anything. year he got fired yeah so there you go with Hartley uh but I mean, you'd have to look at Barry Trotz, though, because the Islanders were supposed to be... Dog shit. Yeah, you guys are... You don't even have a home arena. You guys suck. Tavares is leaving. You guys are nothing now. And you bring in... You don't even bring in a player. You bring in Lou Lamborello and Barry Trotz, and all of a sudden, they're awesome. They're sweeping the Penguins. Right. I mean, in the playoffs, that's ridiculous. So, uh, excuse me. This is one of the... This is one of the... um, I shouldn't even say one of... This is the most competitive Jack Adams race I can ever remember seeing, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Like, there are going to be guys that other years would deserve to win the Jack Adams Trophy who aren't even going to be nominated, because they're only going to nominate three. And we've just listed four or five who all deserve... We've listed five here who deserve it. And there's, I'm sure, other ones that we're not even mentioning that probably deserve it, too. I mean, uh, I don't know. Mike Babcock, Toronto uh shit all over him even though I mean he did a really good job with them this year what about Boston's head coach I mean they were only looking average and then they went on a tear and now they're in the finals sitting around waiting for a week for to see who their opponent is I mean there's uh some incredible stuff happening and you have to give a lot of credit to the coaches Tortorella Tortorella. I mean you know sweeping Tampa like holy moly
0: you know, and and you bring bring up Babcock. Um, Babcock is one of the top five coaches in the National Hockey League. I don't give a shit. But having to coach in Toronto probably adds a few years to your life. And, you know, there was a, a thought in Toronto right after the season when they, when they were eliminated in the first round by the Boston Bruins again. There was some talk around Toronto because it was reported by Toronto Beat reporters that there was some discussions between Shanahan and Kyle Dubas in toronto about relieving mike babcock of his duties because babcock is the highest paid coach in the league he got an eight-year contract and he's halfway through it and the best he's done is he hasn't gotten past the first round so i mean there are a lot yeah i i couldn't agree more that this is going to be an interesting jack adams result i know who i think should win it but will he i don't know um you know again based on the regular season and 130 some points and 62 wins you gotta give the trophy to john cooper do you not i don't know
1: yeah see the the dominant tampa bay lightning who almost set records for the greatest season ever with john and we forgot to even mention him right that's how competitive it is and the thing is if uh, we've we've so we've forgotten about the Tampa Bay Lightning. That seems like a, forever ago that they were relevant. Well, they've been
0: out a month already.
1: Yeah, and I mean... When all the regular their golf season,
0: games are really getting into fine form.
1: When the regular season ended, we were saying like, you pretty much have to give it to Cooper. And we were mentioning Trotz and Berube yeah. and all these guys, but I mean, you're like, well, you have to give it to Cooper. And now no one's even talking about Cooper. Right. But if it's on the regular season, how do you not give it to Cooper? So it's... Yeah, this is this is going to be the toughest Jack Adams race, uh, maybe, of all time.
0: One uh, quick National Hockey League note before we uh, say goodbye on this 348th episode of Unscripted. Um, maybe, you know, even for New York, this kind of went a little under the radar, I found. And the only reason I mention it is I've had the opportunity and the pleasure of interviewing this guy many, many times back in my radio days when he was the radio analyst... For years on MSG with Sam Rosen, former Rangers goalie John Davidson over the weekend was named Glenn Sather's successor as the president of the New York Rangers. John Davidson leaves Columbus Blue Jackets and takes the job as the president of hockey operations, replacing herpy lip Glenn Sather in uh, New York as the new man in charge of the New York Rangers. Um, I was surprised by this. I actually had forgotten that JD has spent the last number of years rebuilding that organization in Columbus. Obviously, there's the connection between Davidson and John Tortorello with their New York Rangers days. But I think realistically, this is a very good hire for the New York Rangers, and I'm excited for the blue shirts. And, you know, we've talked about this before. People talked all the noise back in 94 that it had been 54 years since the New York Rangers have won Lord Stanley's Cup. Well, they won it the one time under Iron Mike Keenan and and pretty much Mark Messier guaranteeing that they would win the 1994 Stanley Cup, and they did in seven games over the Vancouver Canucks. But I'm not a math major, as we know, but they haven't won since. So it's been another almost 30 years. Well, yeah, 25, yeah, 26, whatever it is. It's been a long time. It's been once in 70-some years for the New York Rangers to win Stanley Cup. And I think that they need to rectify that really quick in New York. And I think they've taken a good first step by bringing JD back to where he belongs in Gotham.
1: Yeah, well, the New York Rangers, the interesting thing about that, we talked about Eric Carlson earlier. It sounds like they're emerging as the leading contender to sign Eric Carlson, although Tampa is going to really make a play for him as well. And that's interesting. I mean, they were patient. They are like, hey, hey, wrote a letter to their fans, said, hey, we're going to take a couple years to rebuild racked up like 12 draft extra draft picks. I mean, really did a great job doing a true rebuild, which is amazing for a team that never rebuilds, but they seem to have done it right. Acquire an ass load of draft picks, and then when you're ready, turn it on and acquire a Carlson or someone like that and, and really go for it. So it looks like we're seeing a rebuild done right in New York and I think John Davidson is coming into just a wonderful, wonderful situation. And he is really being set up to look really, really yeah, good. Yeah. Right. I mean in fairness, like I would take who wouldn't take that job? I mean, he is yeah. he is gonna look good even if he only does an average job. Honestly. Well
0: and you've got unlimited resources. You've got the golf money, you've got the MSG money, you've just got, you know, and, and unfortunately one of your bosses happens to be James Dolan, but he's an idiot and you can get around him. So um Congratulations to the New York Rangers on I, on what I think is a great hire, and I look for great things in the next couple of years coming from the New York Rangers out of Madison Square Garden. We've got to run on this 348th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. As always, we thank you for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.